0: Audio, 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 Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Audio podcast. Woohoo! On this episode, we have a freelance uh, post production engineer based out of North Carolina. She is also the proud business owner of Command S Apparel. So let's welcome Krista Giamatti. Hello, and welcome to our show. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. For those of y'all uh, out there in the world, I literally found her on Instagram, woke up one day and she liked me on Instagram. And then I researched her and thought, hey, <laughs> this sounds like a great person to interview. So <laughs> so uh, this is my first time meeting her, for which I am very excited. And uh, yeah, so yes. I guess we'll just get on to this interview. So first things first, thank you for being here. And how about you introduce yourself and what do you do on audio?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm Krista. I'm a freelance post-production audio engineer. I specialize in things like dialogue editing, sound design, and sound mixing for broadcast, web, and film. I've worked with some companies, done some stuff for some companies like HBO and National Geographic and PBS. And then I also just recently started a clothing apparel line called Command S Apparel, um, which is just basically clothing uh, inspired by audio engineering and sound. Once I kind of was looking online and I saw that there wasn't a lot out there for audio engineers to to get in terms of shirts that weren't just like block white lettering that just said audio engineer on it. So I wanted to make something a little different. But yeah, that's kind of what I do.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. But you don't just love those basic t-shirts that are just like so much fun?
1: God, no. If I saw one more that said sound guy, I was about to <laughs> oh. throw up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is really funny. So like as a side note to like t-shirts. So my mom is always like trying to be super encouraging. And so, uh, she goes to this store called, I don't know if you guys have them in North Carolina. I don't know if anybody else has them or if anybody else has heard of them, but they're called Dirt Cheap. That's the name of it. The name of the store is called Dirt Cheap and it's like consignment shops for stores after they get rid of stuff, right? Okay. And so at this store, she found this t-shirt that had like a little skull head on it that had headphones that says yes I'm an audio engineer no I won't mix your shit for free <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> "I understand why you bought me this shirt now yes um, I totally get it because yeah. she's always mm-hmm. having people like come up to her and they're like oh so what do your daughters do and she you know my sister went right. to school to be a nurse and I went to school and I'm an audio engineer and people are like, Oh yeah, will she listen to this and <laughs> right free? And mom's like, Yeah, but she right, won't do it exactly. for free. Like, like she'll listen to it, but free. you gotta pay her. <laughs> do you get a lot of those? Like people that meet your parents or your friends or whomever, and they're like, Hey, uh, will you do this one thing but like without me paying?
1: Yeah. My favorite one though that I get is um worked on anything I've ever heard of. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, does it matter? Like, I hate that question. Like, I, I, like, I, like audio engineers don't work on everything in the world. Like, some of us are like more behind the scenes a little bit. Like, you may not have heard of anything. <laughs> so I'm like,
0: yeah, that's a really frustrating question. Um, Also, like, I love it when you list things that you've done and people are like, I've never heard of that. And you're like, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thanks for that information. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I did look up your because you have a whole list on your website yeah. of like literally everything that you've ever worked on. Is it just like a summation? Because it was a very long list.
1: It's not necessarily everything, but it, it's most things. It's for like other people to see, but it, but it's mostly also for me too to keep track of like everything that I've done for certain companies. Because sometimes I'll forget, and I've got so much going on. I'm like, okay, let me just remember. Oh, I did work on this one thing. That was me. <laughs> So it's, it's for me a little bit, but also for other people, if they're on my website and they're like, what has this girl done? I mean, you can look it up, but yeah, it's, pretty, it's long. It's getting longer. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like going through the list and some of them I knew, like the NFL commercial with Julian. Oh my gosh. She plays for the Cowboys. I forgot his name. Yeah. 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 yeah I know you're talking about. I forgot I, his name. I'm terrible with sports, but I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> my family is huge into sports. Okay. Like huge into sports like every time their team is playing or football is on they are watching the football my mom is a huge cowboys fan and my aunt is huge into the green bay packers her and her uh partners so they both like just constantly like since i was like a small child football was everything to us you know so you (laughs) like watch it and you're like oh my goodness and like (laughs) win or lose you know you I mean you yeah I mean we're not crazy people, you know, like those people who are out there like, you know, going bad like, <laughs> sports, but like it is definitely like yeah, yeah, one yeah. of those like family tradition things. Okay. So also something that I was reading on your website or just something that I found out about you right. and yeah, yeah. Googling you. <laughs> <laughs> is that first off, I listened to your album on Spotify. Oh, really? Uh the stories through Stories through sound, yeah. The sound, yeah. I was like, wait,
1: what's the last word? <laughs> Same as my blog. I, I always like really like that phrase. And so I was like, I really like the concept of it. Like, uh, like sound is part of that telling story process. And so I kept using it for a lot of things. Maybe I've overused it now, but oh well.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, all of my stuff. Stems from beats in a bottle, right? Like, yeah, such a cool name. Everything is beats in a bottle, this, beats in a bottle, that. And I'm like, nah, you can never <laughs> overuse it. It's fine. <laughs> just, just Just keep going with it. I feel like once you find like a name or a phrase or a thing that really resonates with you, and just keep using it. I don't understand why people are like, "Oh, it's got to be different." Yeah. Nah. <laughs> 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 I, but I'm also not in marketing, so there's that. Yeah. But anyway, so I was listening to it. So, first off, I really liked it. you ever heard of a band called Beats Antique? I don't know uh, if you ever heard have of it. it. No. It reminds me of their stuff in like a really nifty way. I like they're one of my favorite bands. I saw them in concert, okay. and their stuff is just awesome. And it kind of reminded me of that, but like with little less of the Middle Eastern feel, cause they have a little more Middle Eastern themes to their music. Okay. But it was really cool. Which came first for you, audio or
1: music? Music. I was a musician for a really long time. I was a, well, I mean, I guess I still am. I just I don't keep up as much, but I was a classical percussionist for like 13 years. I started music. My mom was like, I was drumming on everything in the kitchen and my mom was like, please just do something maybe to get it out of your system so I don't have to hear this anymore. Um, but I think it actually made it worse. <laughs> so I was uh I was in music forever. I was in music uh, all through middle school and then high school. I was in the drum line. That was like my whole life and my whole world for a while. And then I um, took a break, was like, I'll go to college and figure out my life. And then I took like a music course, uh, there was like one music class in my community college. And I was like, I'll just take this class just to, you know, because I miss music a little bit. And I took that class. And I was like, Oh, my God, I need to do something in music, I can't do business, like what I've been doing, like, this is terrible. And so, yeah, I I was in music first. And then I luckily, the program that I did audio um, was music industry studies, and you actually had to be a music major to be a part of the audio engineering program. So it was like music first, all that background, music theory and percussion and being in all those ensembles and then audio.
0: I think it's really interesting that a lot of programs are like that. Yeah. Because I know for me, like I was never really a musician. And when I went to college, I had to audition to get into the music school and then get into audio. And I remember being like, being a musician is not my thing. Like it terrifies the mess out of me. This whole performing in front of people thing. And so I just remember being like super like terrified in college, like because everything was like, well, to get to the recording stuff, you have to get through the music program. And I just remember,
1: oh, my God, why?
0: I remember like the first time I had to sing in front of our class, I did. I had such terrible stage fright that my teacher <laughs> let everybody else go. <laughs> so that way I could sing in the class by myself look yeah it was so, I was like oh my god why let me tell you when uh I had to do
1: like sight singing for music theory I was so bad at it like I don't know if it was because I was a percussionist and I like wasn't you know brought up having to know like where notes are and whatnot but like <laughs> not that percussionists don't know notes because we do but like we can't sing them on cue yeah <laughs> and so I was, they were trained in that and so when we had to do sight singing for music theory I would be so scared like I was like oh my god I like literally I can't like I can sing no one (laughs) that's about all I got for you but that's it
0: (laughs) yeah music school was interesting um I'm really glad that I did it because it definitely gave me a lot of confidence to try to put myself out there a little bit better yeah me too especially so like even though like for example with interviewing people for podcasts right like that's a level of putting yourself out there and I think that Although I'm still nervous about it and I still have like a little bit of anxiety around it because I'm just naturally an anxious person. Uh, and that doesn't just go away because you took a class that forced you to stand in front of people. But um, I do think that it helped me be able to, to channel that energy and be able to, to work through those feelings. Do you feel like music has helped in any way with that for you with, but being post-production?
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. Definitely. Like there was a lot of situations where I had to either be up in front of people or be on stage. Um, and I think it gives you like a good perspective to like you get kind of like both sides of the glass in a way, you know, like kind of like learn what it is. You can speak that kind of language. But yeah, I mean, I think it definitely gave me more confidence, but maybe also more anxiety <laughs> in some ways too. <laughs> Um, all the practicing and everything. But yeah, I think being on stage definitely helps a lot in being in front of people. But I think in the end, I was like, I really like to not be on stage and in front of people. So I'm going <laughs> to do audio engineering
0: and be behind the scenes. <laughs> so how did you get introduced into audio then? I know that you said it was part of the program, but what made you be like, Oh, this is what I want to go into then.
1: It's such a like long, it was like such a long process for me to get there because it wasn't like, I woke up and was like, Oh, audio engineering is a path that I can pursue. Like nobody ever really told me about audio engineering. Like I was never, that was never offered to me as a potential job. And so it started growing up. Like I grew up with two brothers. So I was the middle. So basically it was like, if you want to hang out with us, you need to like play these video games and watch star Wars and all of that. And I I think it's funny because I feel like I ended up liking it way more than they ever did anyway. And, and so growing up, it was like, like, I would watch these games and watch these movies. And it started to like slowly occur to me that like, I thought the sound and the music and each of these things was so interesting. And I was like, wow, without the sound and the music, these wouldn't be what they are like, it wouldn't mean the same thing to me. And so I think it kind of just went from there, and then you know I got into music, and when I hit that class in college i it occurred to me that I wanted to do something in music, but that I didn't want to perform, and I didn't want to teach because both of those things you have to have such a high level of musical skill, and I was like, I know that like I'm nowhere near that good, so I was like, and plus just so i, I it just wasn't for me, I was like, I don't want to be in front of people, I don't you know I don't want to do that and so I started just Googling. I was like, things in music that are not teaching and performing. (laughs) I'll just Google that. (laughs) Like, you know, like (laughs) what can I do that is not that, but still in music? And I started to pop up like, you know, music production, audio engineering. And I was like, what is audio engineering? Like, that sounds cool. And And so I started looking into it. And so when I got to my program, like I knew I wanted to be in audio, but I didn't really know what it all entailed. Like I knew it had to do with music. I knew that like you, like it required that kind of skill set and knowledge, but that you were also like in a studio setting. Like I knew all that, but I distinctly remember like going to my first workshop for audio because I came in at a weird semester. So I had, I was a music major, but I wasn't a recording major yet. I had to like wait a semester because I was a transfer student. So I was going to these workshops in the meantime before I was officially a student. And I remember walking in and, the professor was talking about plate reverb and he like had this metal sheet that he like made a plate reverb and he was talking about how plate reverb worked. And I remember standing in the class and just being like, Oh my God, like, what is he talking about? I, (laughs) what am I doing? I don't know
0: what this is.
1: What is audio? (laughs) And so, uh, (laughs) eventually (laughs) I feel like I figured most of it out. Like in the process of doing that, I was like, You know, is this what do I want to do audio? Do I wanna do this? And as I was started taking those workshops and taking the classes, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is everything I wanted to do and more, like this is perfect. So long answer, but that's kind of how I got there. I hate that nobody just came up to me and was like, Hey, did you know that audio engineering is a career that you can do? nobody told me that. (laughs) That would have been great. I wish I would have known. I would have started a longer, longer time ago.
0: Yeah, I I feel the same way. I I remember asking, because I got started in junior high doing audio, but mine was like, I was at church and I wasn't doing anything. And so our youth pastor was like, hey, do you want to learn how to set the stage up for, right? you know, worship service? And I was like, ah, sure, I'm not doing anything else. And so, but I didn't know that there was like terminology for any of it. And then when I started asking, because I did this for youth group, right? And then You have like main church. And so I started asking the guys who do audio for the main church, how they get into it. Like, how do you like, first off, what is this job called? (laughs) And they were like, oh, well, uh, it's called audio engineering. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay. Now I have a name. And then asking them how they went about doing it. Best advice. And I mean this sarcastically was, oh, you know, you just go out and buy some equipment and you just do it. My gosh. Wait, what? (laughs) What does that even mean? I I hate that. (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) So I spent a really long time knowing the term Without knowing how to get to the job, yeah. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh man, I did the most convoluted down the way around the mountain like path ever. Like I got on a plane, went to another country, and then came back.
1: (laughs) I feel like that that's true for a lot of people in audio. Like it's a it's a weird a a weird career, I guess. And that like, especially, I feel like for women, like no one is like, you should do audio engineering and presents it like as a career path. It's like no or <laughs> accountant teacher. Um, <laughs> teacher yeah I got teacher. Look, I don't uh, want to teach anybody <laughs> yeah I was like I don't want I can't I, I can barely I can't even be in front of people I can't imagine being in front of like younger people like god <laughs> but um uh, yeah I feel like a lot of people I've talked to have been like I went some weird roundabout like way to get to this career path it wasn't ever just like you should do this audio career for the most part so it's interesting
0: i think also though it helps develop character i mean i do wish i would have gotten a little better guidance beforehand like that is something that i really wish i had had because i really tried to find that yeah and i couldn't ever really get anyone to give me any solid answers or any clear-cut like defined anything like there was just nothing and i do wish that i had that but i also think that in going the convoluted path that it caused me to develop other skills that ultimately ended up helping me
1: yeah I, I I mean I I agree I feel like it did for me for sure like I like I I think I learned a lot of like like even just like the like perseverance aspect of it, like to be in audio, you have to just like keep going and keep going and keep going. And since like we kind of found our own paths and like kept going through that whole thing, it was like the intro to the rest of our careers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's great. Bam. Okay. So speaking of things that are like convoluted paths, um I'm not good with segues yet. I haven't learned that skill. Just so you know, like I I try so hard because I watch people interview other people and they have the best segues and I'm like, how do they do this? <laughs> I haven't learned it. No, nope. it's just awkward and weird. It's just me asking you a different question that had nothing to do with anything we were just talking about. And it's fine. <laughs> we're going to hope that it's fine. <laughs> so, okay. With that. Okay. So Instagram. I, I feel like such a stalker. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's totally I, fine i know but it feels weird <laughs> you have I'm, to you're interviewing <laughs> i'm not, i've never been like a super social media person and i'm not like, like like a lot of people like google celebrities i'm not googling anybody i don't yeah care what people do in their personal lives i don't really know so it feels weird to me to like search people on purpose yeah. but anyways yeah so i was on instagram and i saw that you use isotope rx7 and i have been like wanting that well Now that they have RX8 out, I'm like, oh my God, I really want it. What are like some like must have plugins slash what is your workflow that you have?
1: RX7 Advanced. I use it in every single session. I'm not even kidding. The first thing I do is I load all of my files in and then I start my dialogue editing and immediately I'm boop, 7 Connect, right in every dialogue file. I do it every time. I, it's the best purchase. I say this all the time to people if I'm talking about audio stuff, but like, it's the best purchase I ever made. Cause I know it's expensive. It's like when I bought it, it was like 800 bucks or something like that. But like the best 800 bucks I spent, I would do it again, hands down of all the purchases I've made. I love that one. I use like every single thing in it. Dialogue isolate is an amazing tool and everyone should use it in dialogue. Throwing down the, the real, the real hints here. <laughs> I use it for everything. So yes, RX7 Advanced. Uh that's my number one. And I use like some other like Waves plugins and things like pretty consistently. There's this other plugin that I talked about too. It's called the MAG EQ four. I think it's by Plugin Alliance or something like that. It's this really, really great EQ plugin that has this um has like like little gay knobs for each band, but then it has this little band called an airband. And it, it adds this like, it's like a high, it's like a high frequency kind of thing, but it's not really just like, like a, a filter necessarily. It just adds this kind of like really pretty air quality to it that sounds really nice. So it's really great on dialogue for me. I'm sure it would be great for music, vocals and things like that. I don't do much of that anymore. Yeah. Those two things I use pretty much all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I. Had the Neutron Elements plug-in, and that one was really cool. I liked that one. Got it on sale, so woo-hoo, didn't cost as much. But now I'm, like, researching more because yeah. I was primarily in live sound. So I didn't have a ton of, like, plugins at the house or, like, audio equipment, like, at home because right. I really need it. <laughs> you don't need it as much. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, I mean, you have, like, microphones and, like, cables and stuff, but it's not, like you don't have like plugins just chilling. I mean, some people probably do. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Everybody else's situation. But for me, I just didn't really have that. And so going into this, this podcast, I was like, I need to up my game with the DOS situation. And so uh, I started researching and everyone, I everyone I was reading about or any other podcasts that I listened to, I say that like there's so many podcasts I listen to like four audio dedicated podcasts Okay, and out of those four at some point it never ceases to fail that somebody talked about the isotope plugins and I was just like this just means I have to save my money (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing I feel
1: like it's magic like I don't even I can't even think about how those algorithms probably work to get out some of the things that I get out like I've gotten out the weirdest things before like sirens and helicopters and, and trains and door slams and, and pops and clicks and everything. Like it, it's amazing. I, I say it all the time. I'm like,
0: it's magic. I don't know. <laughs> like it's, it makes it better. <laughs> it makes yeah. everything better. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to maybe someday having that cause you know, money.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is expensive. It took me forever. I, it was like one of those like save up and then cry a little when you saw the money leave your bank account, but. <laughs> for anybody that's like on the fence right now about getting it like you should get it 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 sucks for like a second when you see the $800 leave, but then when you're using it and for like I feel like I've 100% made my money back 10 times a million times like I I've been able to take on projects that I wouldn't have been able to say yes to, you know, people handing me like horrible audio and being like, what can you do to make this sound like presentable? And and if I didn't have that program, I would not have been able to do hardly anything to it. So m- get your money back for sure.
0: Um, I definitely felt like my heart broke when I had to buy my computer. Oh, yeah. Same. When I was, I, I bought, I bought a Mac and I was like, I saved up. And I even got my refurbished and it still hurt my feelings. I can remember like debating on returning it for like a solid two weeks. <laughs> I was like, I have all the money. Yeah. Me
1: too. Me too. I would do the same thing. Oh my God. I worked so many like, because back when I got this computer, I was still working like a, like a day job. Like I wasn't just a freelance audio producer. And so I, I worked so many, I remember being like, oh, overtime hours, I'll take it. Like, I need to get this computer. Like, you want me to work 60 hours this week? I will do that because I want this Mac really bad. And so I worked so much. And when I finally got it, I like walked home or drove home and I was like, oh my God, like I should return this with so much money. <laughs> but again, it's like the the Mac and Isotope are like the two things that even though it hurt me when I bought them, like I do not regret it at all like it has saved me I was working on like a a little macbook and it was terrible I couldn't do anything and so I have an iMac now and it's much better now <laughs> I can do stuff
0: <laughs> I can work yeah so like okay so I have two computers because right <laughs> I don't know why we all insist that we need two computers but hey you know whatever and so <laughs> I have the imac the mine is like super old i got like it was refurbished when i bought it but it's like late 2013 model and it's still kicking so i was like ah, "Lies, i don't need to upgrade that yet <laughs> and then i have a it's the surface book too and the only reason okay so i'm not gonna say the only reason but one of the reasons why i bought it is because it is detachable so it can either be a tablet or it can be a laptop and it's touch screen And you can use the pen with it. And I really wanted something that if I wasn't at home, I could use to edit the podcast. And so I was like, this just makes sense. So I went out and bought it. And that broke my heart, too, because I was like, oh, my God, why? There's something about spending a large amount of money, even though you're investing in yourself, that just feels weird sometimes. I don't know if anybody else has like buyer's remorse with investing in themselves, but. It's real and uh, it's okay. Invest in yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it hurts. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I have to convince myself like, oh, I need this plugin. Like I really do I have to buy it. It's $50. (laughs) Dang it. All right. Well, I guess I'm buying this plugin and I feel bad about it for like 10 seconds and then I use it in the
0: session and I'm like, oh,
1: it was worth it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just to backtrack right quick, um, you said before that you... Before you became a freelance full-time, you were doing other things. So what did that process look like for you to become full-time? Because I know a lot of people are still kind of either they're in the beginning of that stage of transitioning or they're trying to figure out how to go from working, you know, at, I don't want to say McDonald's because not everybody works at McDonald's, but, you know, working a standard job to transitioning to freelancing and having that.
1: Yeah, I had kind of a unique uh perspective, maybe like a a slightly lucky one too. I didn't mean mean it to work out this way, but I basically, I graduated from college and I did an internship in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I did that internship. And then I was like, well, you know, I need to get, I guess, an apartment here. I need to get like another job. And so through like a series of events, I ended up getting a job at a music store. So I worked in the pro Audio department. And my thought process when I got the job was like, well, I've never worked sales before, but like, if I do this, I'm sure I will learn a lot about audio equipment and, you know, the technical sides of things. So I'm going to have to answer questions and, you know, talk to people about how to get stuff working and, you know, and then like, also I get discounts on gear. So that'll be great. I can slowly build up my, my recording stuff. And so I I worked there for like two or two and a half years, something like that. When I was there, I started you know, I did get to talk to people and I got to talk about the technical side and it was great. I was learning a lot actually because people would come in with like the most obscure things. Like, how do I go out of this into this and through this to do this? And I'm like, Oh God, I have to come up with a way to make this work. And so that was great. But I, what I started to do is talk, like I just talk to people because sometimes sales jobs are boring and like, <laughs> you know, it's slow days. So you talk to people when they come in about like what they do and and also we work commission so like you talk to them more maybe they buy more from you and so I started talking to people and they would be like oh well I you know I work at this post house you know or, or I work at the slice on company or I work at you know this gaming company or et cetera, et cetera." and I started just to talk to them and then eventually they would be like oh like do you do post production because I would be talking to them so much about it and and I would be like, yeah, I do actually like, you know, and, and here's, you know, a card or here's my website. And so I started to just market myself through my job. Like I would just be like, yeah, uh, I do work here 45 to 50 hours a week, but you know, here's my card. And if you want me to edit something for you, like feel free to reach out. And I actually did get a couple of jobs that way. People like would email me and they'd be like, Hey, I got your card from this music store. Like, do you want to, you know, try something for me? You know, see if it works. And I would edit for them and then I would end up. You know, working for them. And so for a while I was doing, you know, full time job there. And then I would come home at like 10 PM and I would work until like two or three in the morning doing part time freelance work. And then it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I don't like, if I want to keep going freelance, like I can't work full time anymore. And so I went to my job and I asked for a part time position and they said no. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I guess I quit then. <laughs> and I quit. <laughs> uh, and I just it was like a spur of the moment thing. I was like, I'm just gonna quit and pursue freelance then because I feel like I could do it if I focused on it, you know, wholly. But I did have that like, you know, I was working enough to where I was like, if I quit my main job, I won't die. But <laughs> you know, like, I had gotten to that point. And so and so yeah, I quit my job. And it, it was crazy to me because it was like the moment I quit, my full-time job and I could focus on freelance full-time. It was like a lot more doors opened all of a sudden. Like people would be like, "Oh, you you can work from noon to 3 today. That's great. Like I I can give you this now." Whereas before I had to be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't take this on until this evening. Like if you can get it back by tomorrow, that's great." With post-production, a lot of things are so last minute that, you know, having that opportunity to work from home at any time of day was an advantage for me that not everyone had. And so it kind of like put me ahead. And suddenly I was able to do freelance full-time. I didn't have to get another job that year. And then that just kept going and going. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I built into it. Um, I would definitely recommend like being able to do at least part-time work before you quit <laughs> your full-time job. Maybe being smarter about than I did, where I was just like, "Well, I guess I'm just going to quit today." I didn't know I was going to do that that day. Yeah, that's. But
0: (laughs) yeah, that's a smart decision.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like have that part time and then like slowly, you know, fade it out and and either go part time, you know, take take a part time job somewhere and then be part time as well, freelance, and then kind of transition it to full time
0: freelance work. I know. For me, at least, when I had to make the transition, and I i wouldn't even say I'm completely in the transition because I also still do like random other things. But I would definitely say that most of my income comes from audio. And so I know that like a lot of people always ask me like I would do like panels and stuff like that for, you know, college kids or whatever. That's amazing. It's like I'm so much older than them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they treat me like I'm so wise. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't know about all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Recently, I had to give like a thing for my college too, like a zoom thing. And I w- like people were asking me for advice. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I have not graduated that long ago. Like, I feel like I can't really answer. You. <laughs> and they're like, Krista, you're so put together. Like, how did you get here? And I'm like, I am. I'm put together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm put together.
0: Yeah. Um, This is how I got here. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those words. Yeah, we'll use those. We can you can use those words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> like that's how i look thank you thank you anyway sorry (laughs) no it's good i mean that's how that's literally how i felt when i was on these panels or like doing these like conversations like i had a girl who interviewed me for her class project and i was just like oh and like the kind of questions she was asking me they were really good questions they were excellent questions i was like am i qualified for this like
1: i just (laughs) hoa is Blowing leaves, I'm sorry. Like literally they HOA has not done anything this whole time and we've had like leaves and everything everywhere. And then of course today when I'm recording, they're gonna blow right outside the one window
0: right here. <laughs> There's one window, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I
1: mean it's hard. That's like a thing. Like recording in apartments and townhomes and stuff, it's like a necessary thing that a lot of audio engineers have to do. It's like how do you most effectively manage this
0: (laughs) but I also feel like I don't know maybe this is just me but I feel like it also is kind of a joy because then you have a little bit more freedom over things like you get to work from home instead of having to like go in so it makes being having that access to certain jobs or having because now you have access to gear so you can be at home so that makes it cheaper than being like oh well I have to pay a studio or I have to be hired by a studio to go there or do certain things versus being like, oh, I'm here at home because I could buy the stuff and do it myself here. Oh, yeah. So that does make, to me. Right? Yeah, I love it. I really do. What What do you have for acoustic treatment then
1: in your space? I have some Oralex on like this, the wall um, in front of me at like some in the corners, um, like bass traps and things like that behind my speakers and things. And then that's basically it. I can't do too much because I I do rent. So I can't like, you know, pound stuff into the walls or like create big holes and things like that. Um, But yeah, I just have like some, some oral treatment, just like the foot by foot squares and then the standard base traps. Do you ever make any of those yourself? I haven't. Well, I have, but not for me. Um, I used to make, I've made some baffles and stuff for some friends like we would like a lot of my friends from audio school um, I've made like some baffling and things with them like you know building out like the, the frame and then using just like some kind of we went to like a fabric store and we used some kind of like f- felt material or something velvet I don't remember <laughs> but we like insulated it and like filled it with insulation and then stapled the fabric around it and we used that for baffling for them and it worked really well. I haven't done that for me, like I said, just because I don't want to have to deal with the putting it on the walls (laughs) and then being like, oh, I might get charged for, you know, the big holes in the walls. But yeah, I think it's a great idea. Like, I I think people should if they can. I think it works really well. Uh, You just have to, like, be careful, like, what materials you're using and, you know, how much you're insulating it and things like that.
0: I I made some for my apartment, which was, because I had this genius idea and I was like, I'm going to make a YouTube channel. But, um, but one of the things that I was thinking about was uh, making those, and I did make them. They they exist in my apartment, and they're awesome. The only thing was is that then I rearranged my apartment. Really? <laughs> so I shouldn't have done that part, and so then it didn't quite work the way I had a, I had planned for them to work because <laughs> I moved all the stuff around. <laughs> um, but other than that, it was really great, and I ended up using insulation that's supposed to go around like a hot water heater because that was what we just had laying around and i was like nobody's using this like right might as well use it and it was great insulation so use that did it put some cloth on it and it's great they exist in my apartment right now so my refrigerator makes a lot of noise because i think the core is going out in it and so um they're my apartment's working on getting me a new yeah refrigerator but for this i was like i need that not to be making such a loud noise so i put the panels around the refrigerator yes (laughs) so they're they're (laughs) being you gotta do (laughs) and (laughs) sound it's not a waste of my time at all (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's really great um i i like making things so i always wonder if people ever make those sorts of things because i think those are a little bit more accessible because sometimes people are like oh you got to go buy the phone and i'm like
1: yeah you don't have to. I, you don't have to for sure. Yeah. I don't think you have to. When I worked at the music store, like people would come in and they'd be like, they would ask me, like, can I use these really obscure things for a sound insulation? And I think like you do have to have some of the right ish materials, but I don't necessarily think you need to like have the Oralex brand per se. It, people would come in though and just be like, can I use, uh, like this insulation? And it was just like some standard insulation. I'm like, you can. But what a lot of people don't understand is like things like Oralex and those foam treatments and things like if you're using those like foam squares, like they're specifically made to like capture certain frequencies. And so if you're just using like standard foam, it's editing all frequencies and not just those really specific ones that targeted like low, really low frequencies or, you know, those like mids or whatever that they're targeting. So like oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes a little bit of a difference, like using just like standard like, um, I don't even know what it was. People just come in with this like cream looking like egg carton insulation that, yeah. yeah. And it was like super thick. And I was like, I mean, you could, but I mean, it would sound like, <laughs> it, like dead. <laughs> I mean, you would like lose all frequencies, but I mean, go for it. That's what you want. So yeah, I, th- I think it is important in a way to like recognize that like, I had to explain that to people all the time because I would be like, well, like the, where like, does like, you know, hit certain frequencies that that, you, what you have doesn't, it just hits all of them. These are targeting specific ones. So it does make a
0: little bit of a difference, but for my apartment, I did need to deaden, you know, all of it <laughs> just because there was so much noise around it. Oh yeah. So for, for me, sure. it was definitely like the goal yeah, 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 <laughs> in yeah. making them. But yeah, no, I've had a lot of people who've been like, Oh yeah, you just make it with anything. You're like, uh, although I had one person who decided to make it out of towels. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, I'm interested to see how that turns out. That, that only happened like a week ago. So I don't know the results of them making sound panels with towels for installation. Yeah. But I am intrigued by the idea. Your blog, which you have, uh, which is called Command S Stories Through Sound. How did you get into that and why?
1: I always wanted to write a blog called Stories Through Sound it's something I want to do for a really long time. I just wasn't really sure how to quite go about it. At first, I was like, I'm gonna, you know, write a story through sound blog. that's that's just me talking about, you know, audio things I've learned, like things that, you know, people never told me that I wish somebody would have just come up to me and said, you know, or like, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna write about that. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I think it was similar to your experience as well. I was reading on your website, you were like, or maybe it was like in one of your podcasts or something, but you you said something like, like you were starting to do a podcast about music. But then once you sat and thought about it, you were like, what is something that like, I'm really passionate about, but also I feel like doesn't really exist. And that was women in audio podcasting. And that kind of occurred to me, I was like, there's not a lot of like, interview-esque things out there that really highlights a lot of women in audio, Um, and other people too. But like, Especially women in audio, like, you know, there's just not a lot of stuff that highlights it. And so I was like, what if I did like an interview style? And I was like, just to keep it simple for me to start, I'll just do like a written blog style as opposed to any kind of recorded thing. And so, and so that's kind of how it all came about and, and how I started it. I started just reaching out at first to people I knew that like I knew somebody I knew that knew somebody. And so, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of how it, how it came about. I, I do feel like, I mean, I try and highlight variety of people and so uh like i do have some for different like live sound and broadcast and post and production and things like that too but i do try and and highlight women more often than not because i feel like uh you know people always say like there's not as many women out there doing this and and i think in in a way that's true obviously cuz if you like look at the sound girls website and stuff like they say like there's only like 5% of producers and people out there are women but I do think, like, there's a lot of women out there that are killing it and doing amazing things that people don't highlight or talk about. And and I that's also part of the reason why I did Command S2 is, like, I wanted to have, like, more, like, feminine designs and apparel and, like, have people recognize that, like, there are people in this industry that, like, don't, you know, that aren't, like, super bro and, like, you know, don't just, like, that's not the only stereotype here. <laughs> like, you know, people wow this person is literally right outside my window
0: (laughs) i can hear it anyway sorry hey i'm supposed to be getting rx8 soon hopefully then this will be like a great way to go and practice that i'm so
1: sorry Yeah. Hey, (laughs) look, if you get this, (laughs) if you get this audio, and you're like, Oh, my God, I literally can't get this out, like legit send it to me. And I will RX this away for you. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, that's kind of how I started stories through sound is I I really wanted to like talk to people. And I found it really interesting, like hearing their stories, and especially just like how they got into audio and, and why like, you know, what made them think of it or be passionate about it. And
0: no that's super cool. Yeah, um I mean that's definitely one of the reasons why I started this podcast for sure. It's a very similar mindset, so I totally get it. I really liked the story that you posted most recently. I mean I like all of them, but the one that like really stuck out to me was the lady who was in the military doing sound. I was like that makes total sense, but I would never have thought of that because I know that militaries have bands, like, and that they do performances and that they do these things. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that they would need a sound engineer. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> it was so awesome.
1: It, right? Like, it, it's interesting, like there's so many audio jobs out there that people don't necessarily think about. But yeah, it was, it just, I actually did an internship with her a while a long time ago so it's like past connections and and stuff we did, like did a classical recording festival together as an internship we were audio engineers working together at that so I, that was my like, brief little stint and live sound <laughs> um <laughs> but sorry this is stupidly I might go out and be like <laughs> I don't want you not to do the job but <laughs> <laughs> can you just maybe wait like an hour <laughs> But yeah, I met her and, and she went on. She was like s- such a good audio engineer. And I remember thinking that during the internship. Yeah, she went on to, uh, I messaged her recently because I saw that she had a job as a U.S. Army field band uh, audio engineer. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, and, and I thought it was really cool because she actually has to be a part of the military. Like, you know, she's not just work, you know, she has to be in the army to have that job and she has to upkeep like her thought it was interesting in the interview. You know, she was like, I have to upkeep the physical standards as well as the, you know, audio and mental stuff. And so she has to like keep up with all the army standards. So
0: it's like really strict but interesting a different job i thought that story i thought her story was very fascinating especially as somebody who has a lot of family members who did go into the military that was definitely like a fascinating story i was just like yeah yeah that makes sense because a lot of times like you know people think oh they'll just get like a contract they'll contract it out because there are a lot of people who are contracted out by the military yeah and that's very real but the fact that as a sound engineer with her job and what all she's doing, I was just like fascinated. I was like, I need, I need you to talk more about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that was just really cool. So, uh, just fun fact, uh, world out there, you should go check out her blog, uh, command S stories through sound because those stories, I think there's like six of them. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. Do a, I've yeah? done, mm, I don't remember the exact numbers. Anyways, the point is it's awesome. Go read it. Yes. It, it's a readable yes. blog. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually leads me to a question. So how do you interview them? Do you just like send them an email or is it like a live thing and you type it up later? Like, how does that work? So I just send them like I, I come up with
1: like, I kind of do what you do. Uh, I like look them up, see, like look them up on Instagram, kind of like see what their interests are and like, you know, a little bit about their background. And then I basically send them like I reach out to them like, you know, would you want to answer some questions, go on this blog? and then i send them an email with the questions like numbered and i'm and i basically just say like you know feel free to answer however you choose whether it's long or short or you know what you want to add feel free to elaborate if you want if you don't like depending on how much time you have like go for it and so then they'll just email me back the answers and then at that point i'll just create the blog post and add their answers in for them um and usually i do like a summary of like their bio that i'll send to them and you know just be like let me know if this is a good bio for you, if you want, like, to add anything or, you know, if I messed up something terrible or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I just emailed them, uh, and they emailed me back their responses. It's, it's actually been really cool. Like, a, it's like a more simplified interview <laughs> way to do it. And I like it because it's like a, you know, like, it's like a more readable thing. So you, know, like, people could read some of it and then, like, go back if they wanted to later. I feel like, too, I try and make it kind of short and quick. So, people can just kind of like get that highlight. And then, you know, maybe later I can go back and, you know, ask them to talk more about their experiences and things like that. But yeah.
0: Are you, are you like naturally a writer then? Is that how, like, why blogging like struck a chord with you? Because I know for me, I'm naturally a talker. (laughs) I just like talking. Yeah. (laughs) I,
1: (laughs) so I'm naturally like very introverted. And so I feel like I'm not necessarily a a huge talker. But I have been told that like I, I kind of gravitate towards writing. I've never like thought about it like personally. But like, oh yeah, I am a writer. But every time I do write something, people are like, oh, like you're like you're you're good at writing. Like you should do writing. Like I recently wrote like a sound design breakdown that's supposed to be posted on like a, a website soon. But we'll see. On the VW spot that I did for the Atlas Cross Sport advertisement, which I think is on my website too. But yeah, I wrote like this whole sound design breakdown and I, I sent it to like my mentor and I was like, you know, is this garbage? Like, or is this like something that would be okay to present myself as? And he was like, no, this is great. Like you're a good writer. I was like, I yeah. am. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> so I, I never thought about it. People do tend to tell me that. And I think because I'm naturally more introverted, I, I, I do prefer writing. And so yeah, I would say. Maybe I am more uh, a writer.
0: <laughs> okay, you just mentioned that you had a mentor. So like, how did you go about getting one of those? Because I know a lot of people who, they get out there and they're like, I really could use a mentor. I really want a mentor. How do I find a mentor? So how did you go through the process of actually getting one then?
1: This is like the worst answer. And I'm sure people are going to be so mad at me for saying this, but it was honestly complete and sheer luck. I This guy messaged me on LinkedIn. That's literally what happened. He messaged me on LinkedIn and he was like, Some I didn't know him. And he was like, Hey, do you want to, uh, edit sound for, uh, do you want to do a test run for me and edit sound for this commercial? And like, I had been burned before. And so I was like, sorry, I don't work for free. And that was my response. I was like, sorry, I don't work for free. And luckily, like he was nice. (laughs) And he was like, I'll pay you for the test run if you want to do it if you want to do it. Like I'll pay I'll pay you. And I was like, "Well, okay, then, sure. I mean, if you're going to pay me, that's fine." And so he like sent me this like commercial and was like, "Do sound design for this." And so I did sound design for it and I sent it back to him and he called me and was like, "I really like how you did this. Like I'm looking for somebody to help me with, you know, some of the stuff that I'm taking on. Like would you maybe want to you know, like learn from me or, you know, take on some of this work. And I, at the time I was still working full time at a um, music store, but I was like, yeah. So I, um I sent him a thing. He called me. He was like, I really like, you know, the way you sound design. And he even was like, uh, are you a musician? Cause it sounds like, you know, the way you sound design flows kind of like how a musician writes. And I was like, yes, actually I am. And And he was like, you know, do you want to take on some stuff for me? And I was like, yeah that would be great and he started sending stuff for me and he and it just kind of turned into like this mentor relationship where he you know would call me he and he still does like call me like once a week and he's like you know have you seen this like you know try this in your session this time you know uh you know put this here see see how this sounds play with this this week it's like like in a way kind of like having homework but it's it's really cool and it's like if you can get a mentor i so so highly recommend it and even though like kind of how i got it was complete luck like you know, reach out to people because like, I think people are more willing to help than people think they are a lot of the times. And a lot of times when I have reached out to people with questions, like people have been more than happy to respond. And so I think people do want to like take on apprentices and, and, and mentor them and help if they can more than people would think they would. But I so recommend having that mentor relationship because without like him kind of coaching me on certain things like even for me it was my organization like i was so bad at organizing how i organized things you know like i was terrible about my templates and you know my the the way i had my stems bounced out and the way i labeled things and how i had my invoices and everything i was terrible i mean nobody had coached me on that stuff and so i was just like you know like having him be like why do you do it that way and i was like i don't i don't know and him be like have you thought about doing it a different way and just having that extra voice to be like you know you know maybe think about something else and then it kind of led me to realize like, oh my god, like this is the dumbest like why why am I making my life so much more difficult with this and and if you just took it if I just took a second to come up with like an organization method or like a way to have a template, it would make my life so much easier and so he's he's been there for me for that, and you know he's coached me with mixing and and you know just using different plugins and things to achieve that. So if you can get a mentor, I highly recommend that you get one. And if you don't have one, or you like don't know how to get one, like reach out to people and and just ask and be like, are you willing to take on, or at least just, you know, maybe have a once a week Zoom call or anything, just that even to chat and, and ask questions about, you know, how you invoice or how you set up your template or, you know, any of those things. Cause it, it changed so much for me. And, it, and I think it, made me a much better post-production engineer. I don't think I would have been near as far as I am now if it wasn't for him, so.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Man, I love happy, happy uh coincidences like that. Those are always kind of the best. Like, yeah. you just like, wake up one day, you're like, I don't know, this person just said something, and then all of a sudden it was a thing, and you're like, ah. <laughs> like, Yeah, people ask me a lot,
1: like, I get a lot of questions like, how do you feel about doing free work and i always like go back to that story in my mind and i'm like if i would have refused him because even when he offered to pay me like it wasn't a lot of money but like if i would have refused him in that moment like i would have not worked on all a lot of the things i've done because a lot of the bigger projects that i've worked on were connections from him and so it's like if I would have said, you know, no, I absolutely won't do this work for you, or or, or anything like that. So it's like such a great area because it's like I do believe you shouldn't work for free, but at the same time, you kind of have to like look at what's presented before you and be like, is this something that could help me later on? Like, is this a mutual connection? Like, if a video editor is asking you to to do sound for them, and they're like, well, I can't pay you a lot, then you need to come back with like, well, what? like if you can't pay me with money like what can I get out of this you know like would you be able to edit something for me in the future or like are you a potential connection that is going to help me a lot you know going forward or anything like that and if any of those things are, are there for you then then I think that you should absolutely take it even if it you know especially when you're starting out I would say like maybe when you're farther along you can be a little bit more picky but when you're starting out like for sure like Even if they don't pay you, if they're not offering to pay you a lot of money, like if you think there's some benefit for you, absolutely take it. Because I always used to say, like, I will never work for free. I will never do this. And again, like if I wouldn't have like taken that leap of faith and just been like, yeah, okay, like I have a free week. I'll we'll do this for you. You know, I wouldn't have had a mentor and I wouldn't have had all that connection. So, yeah, that's such a great area. But
0: yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it just pays the work for free sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't. It's just everything is like just a nuance. It's so nuanced. You really have to take it every situation at a time and evaluate each individual moment instead of being like, as a whole blanket statement, never accept anything that's, you know, this or that or whatever.
1: I mean, definitely like you, like audio engineers have value. You should value your work. You should never let people take advantage of you. I've had that happen before, like you know, don't work outside your contract, you know, like make sure you get paid a good amount of money. I had people offer me $25 for VO edits the other day. And I was like, by the time I load this in the session and edit it and, and do all this stuff and it's like, is $25 even worth it? That like, And I think they don't like, they don't think about, a lot of people don't think about like, it's not just the time that the audio engineers spend editing the vo it's like the equipment that we use and you know the data that we have to have for it and now we have to back that up and you know we have to download it not only that but now we have to invoice you for that time that's time spent doing something and then like turns into this multiple hour thing they're like 25 bucks it's like well i'm gonna need a little bit more <laughs> to justify me taking the time out but yeah it's it's complicated invoicing and and stuff especially freelancers can be a little bit complicated i've learned
0: it can be um i didn't realize i was getting underpaid until a friend of mine told me i was being underpaid (laughs) so i i remember being like oh yeah i'm working things are going great i mean i'm struggling with money because i live in an expensive city but you know i thought i was doing well until somebody was like how much do you make and then i told them and they were like i love when people are they underpaying you so much And I was like, I'm being underpaid. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't know. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then that allowed me to change my trajectory. But which leads me, I don't know, like, it's okay if you don't want to like say exact figures, so you can answer this question, however you feel best. But how do you go about determining how much you charge people? And what like maybe is like, an average or like a rough estimate of what you think somebody should get paid or you feel like you should get paid for the type of work that you do it's changed so much
1: for me because i used to like have different values and i used to get oh, man, i used to get so mad at people when i would go to like uh, different conventions or like asking in different groups and things you know can you please give me like a hourly figure i used to get so mad at like audio engineers and they were like I can't give you an hourly figure, and I'd be like, "Why? Why can't you just tell me? Why can't you just tell me what you what you do?" And and now that I am feeling it, I kind of get it because it's like I charge different hourly rates for each client. One client, I know that they're a huge production company, and I know that between fifty five to eighty five dollars an hour is like they won't bat an eye. And I'm like, okay, so if you know, I can charge upwards of eighty five dollars an hour for this person. But then like, yeah, of course, another company, I know they're more of a startup company and they're just starting out in the few couple of years and you know, they're really trying to grow and, and I want to be that audio engineer that grows with them. Cause like I find their work fun and I like to edit it. And so I'll be like, I'll do yours for 45 an hour, you know, because I respect you and like, you know, I, I know that you're, you're starting, but it's hard because you, you obviously don't want the companies to find out about that. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's complicated, but. I would say, like, don't ever take anything less than like $30 an hour for, you know, stuff that you're doing. I mean, God, that that's pretty low budget. You better be like friends with them <laughs> or really like them or just, you know, trust that they're a startup in some way. You know, each situation is different. And that's why it's so hard for audio engineers to answer that question. Like how much per project? It's like, well, it depends on the scope of the project, what exactly I'm doing, you know, how long it's going to take me, uh, You know, are they a startup company, you know, you know, how can we budget this, you know, it, it is kind of like a, it's like an up in the air thing. But you know, I have been told by my mentor and and just personal experience too is like, if you're working out of New York or California, $100 an hour is pretty standard, like, most people won't bat an eye at $100 an hour, if you're working with from either working out of New York or California, or you're working, you know, remote from New York or California, like you're getting sent work from that area, like a hundred dollars an hour is not like a huge thing for them. That's pretty like normal. Which since I'm in North Carolina, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like that's really high, like oh my god. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it, that's totally the case. Like a couple projects from them, they they'll even sometimes people will offer me stuff before I even say anything, and they'll, you know, I was going to offer like lower, and they'll be like a oh, hundred dollars an hour, and I'm like. <laughs> okay <laughs> yes <laughs> but yeah it's a hard question to come up with rate it depends on your experience too obviously if you know you're just starting out maybe a little bit lower i've increased my rates the past few years i do it all the time i'll be like uh it's this now <laughs> hope you're okay with that <laughs> you know as you get more experience and you get more equipment too and more plugins you're able to do more so yeah it's a hard question but i hope that helped a little bit <laughs>
0: It is a hard question. It is a it's a really hard question. And it's one of those things that like I feel like if I ask enough people then hopefully that help people. Because I know like for me I struggled with trying to figure out what my rate should be. Even just as like a lifestyle engineer, like at different venues, different clubs and stuff, like what amount of money, you know, am I do I really feel like I'm worth or whatever and trying to figure that out. And I'm in a completely different field than like, you know, post production and all that sort of stuff and Or like even like people who do like Foley artists and stuff like that. Every audio place is different and I know that. And I just also know that a lot of people struggle with trying to figure that out as well. So I think any advice is better than no advice. So I just kind of always throw it out there and see what people say. But hopefully that helps people, you know? That's really the whole goal, right? I just want to help you. I don't, I mean, whatever way I can, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, I think it's a great answer. A friend of mine, one of her things that she talked about was like, she was like, make a list of your cost of living, figure out what your cost of living is, you know, your rent, your bills, your food, you know, just figure out what your normal budget is. Okay. Break that down. Okay. So then how many clients or hours do you need to work to cover your basic living costs and then adjust from there? And always thought that was like really great advice. Cause I know for me, like, I mean, I didn't yeah. do it that way because I I never heard of that until she right. told me about it. But <laughs> right. um, but I do think that that's that's a great starting place though too to, to start considering like okay, well, how much do I need to live and 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 then going through that um, sort of half the trajectory of thought. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's great advice. I mean, definitely do that for me. I I kind of just was winging it and <laughs> was just kind of a, a lot of companies too will. Send me contracts and do like a per project basis. So it's not always hourly. Like sometimes they'll send me something and I'll be like, I'll pay you two hundred bucks to do this project. And and normally they're like pretty short projects. And so I'm like, okay. So it 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 all depends. But your cost of living should definitely be a factor for sure. Like don't you know if you do that and you realize for what you're charging, you have to work like you know for a thousand clients a month and you know work eighty five hours a week then you know you should raise your rates
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah definitely change that plan yeah <laughs> like that's insane <laughs> yeah that's that's also something i i never really experienced uh, personally was contracts i was like a contract for the whole thing that's new i know it shouldn't be but it was to me at the time i remember the first time i got a contract and i was like scandalous <laughs> i was like why did i not think that that was a thing like that was so dumb <laughs> Contracts are like a pain, but also like
1: uh, they've saved me a lot in a lot of situations. You know, I've had like a, I was in a situation last year, maybe, where um uh, at the time I was actually doing a sound for theater, which I don't do anymore because, oh my God, it was so stressful. <laughs> Jeez.
0: <laughs> I love theater. So I, but I understand what you mean, like there is a level of intensity that comes with Theater productions that is just.
1: Yes. <laughs> and also it just takes a special person to be a live sound engineer. Like you just have to be tough as nails and like amazing. Cause I, it was not for me. I was like, this is so much stress and pressure and I need to just be um, editing in the box at home on my own time. But anyway, yeah. uh, so anyone that does live sound, like major props. You're amazing. But I, for a hot second, I did sound for theater. Uh, there was a situation where they had hired a music composer. And so in my contract, it states that I am just there for sound design. Um, and that I was only going to do sound design for them. And they started asking me to do music for them. And I was like, it's not my contract. I'm not doing that. And they flipped out. They were like, how dare you? You know, like, you know, you have to do this for us or we won't pay you. And I was like, you can try, but it's not my contract. (laughs) So I was like, so it's not in there and you know the producer for the whole you know the whole production like came came to me and was like I I don't know what the director is saying but you're absolutely right it's not in the contract and we we will pay you like you know you don't have to do this music like because we have a contract and I was like yes (laughs) so if I wouldn't have had that contract signed I wouldn't have been able to say that and you know it might have turned into a bigger thing so contracts are important and you should definitely write one up and have that if a company is, if a new company is asking you to work for them and they don't send you a contract to work, maybe send one over and just say, this is the time allotted that I'm going to work for. I'm just working on this project. You know, it's it's five minutes long or whatever it is, you know, so that way if they then are like, well, I'm going to send you this other five minute video, I'll be like, nope, if that's the case, then I'm going to have to revise my contract and we're going to have to add another, you know, payment onto there for the next five minute video. So yeah, I don't think directors like intentionally try to take advantage of audio engineers i just think that like th- sometimes they don't necessarily know exactly what it entails and so they'll just and, and two like you people have to know like directors are stressed too like a lot of times that's their baby you know like they they want to get it done they want it to be perfect so they're not thinking about like all these extra things you know they're just like audio do this get it done do it exactly how i need and so not they're like so like definitely not talking crap on the directors because like you know they they're stressed too but you know you do have to stick up for yourself and be like hey i need more money if you want me to do this because no
0: yeah my first contract was when i did a theater gig and it was it was it was it was weird because i never had a contract before but in hindsight i realized that that was kind of stupid and that i should have had contracts so how do you Like, where do you get like a template, I guess, for your contracts? Or how do you go about writing them? Because I know a lot of people don't, they don't know how to write those sort of things. I know that for me, I didn't. I modified the first one that I ever got. And after that, I just kept modifying the same one. So (laughs) yeah,
1: that's actually what I did. I got a contract and I modified it for me. (laughs) They've been like mowing the lawn for like an hour. But it is a a perk of working freelances, like a lot of times you get to set your own hours, not always, because, uh, sometimes you get like, can you do this now? Or like, you know, uh, I need this ASAP kind of thing. And and then you're kind of at their beck and call, but you know, a lot of times it's like, can you, can you do this, uh, you know, in the next day? And so you can be like, ah, oh, I can start at, you know, 1 PM if I want to, and then I'll just, you know, work later or whatever, you know, or earlier. So
0: working at, Fast concert hall here in Austin. You know, we'd have like these load in for theater productions, right? Because we did we did a lot of of the Broadway tours that road shows that would happen. And so they would come through, and you got to be there at like eight a.m. You know, and so you're there at eight a.m. and then you'll work, and then like depending on what kind of a load in day it is or like circumstances, you might have a break in the middle of the day, and then you got to come back, and then you'll stay until like ten, eleven. If it's a loadout, you're there until you know five in the morning, (laughs) right? And you're like, I was here at eight a.m.
1: at five in the morning. (laughs) I do remember that when I worked live sound, like when I worked at classical festival, we would be up at like seven in the morning setting up mics and stuff, and then we would be there till like after midnight breaking down. And I was like, oh my god, I don't, I don't know if I want to do live sound. (laughs) Like this is really hard, (laughs) but. Yeah, it's a lot of work. People don't realize, like, they just see live sound. and They're like, oh, during the show. And you're like, yeah, but before the show, you have to set up. And then after the show, you have to break down. <laughs> so it's like, that's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, it is a lot of work. But I, I've always really enjoyed it. But also because I like people. And so being around people was always great for me. Like, I was like, always thrived being able to, like, talk with people and chat and just be around humans in general. Gotta love that. Extroverted tendencies of me. (laughs) I feel, I say tendencies because I, I can have those moments where I'm like, no, there's, there's no humans today. We're, we're sitting in the house in silence. (laughs) Um, okay. So back to my tablet of questions. Okay. Okay. You have also an apparel business, uh, good old command S. You've mentioned it several times now. (laughs) First off, the business, you, you started that business, what, pretty recently, right? Like within like the last year?
1: Yeah, last few months, I think. Yeah, definitely this, it was after this year had started, March or April. So
0: yeah, something like that. (laughs) So you're like, pandemic, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to start a business. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's really where it came from. I, I had, I actually did have a lot of stuff canceled because of COVID and, like as a post production audio engineer a lot of us were like, Oh, it's not gonna hit us but it it was like right away in like February maybe not so much, but then March I started getting calls and they were like, Yeah, that show that you were gonna do I, I do a lot of like commercials and promos and, and things like that. And so they were like, yeah, well, the show that you that, you know, usually work on is is delayed now. So because the show is delayed now, the promos for the show is delayed and the commercials for the shows are delayed. So you can't work on those. And so I suddenly had like a gap in time where I was like, oh, God, I don't have any work right now. And so I was just Googling like I wanted to buy an audio shirt. And so I was just Googling like audio engineering T-shirts and like the only ones I saw were just like block white ones that said either I'm the audio engineer or like, yes, I'm the sound guy or something like that. And I was like, I was like, Oh man, like, I don't like, why would you, I hate stories that say I'm a sound guy, but, and I hate when people ask for the sound guy too, it's just such a like irking thing for me. And so I was like, I, I feel like there's an opportunity here to like create uh some things for like that are more gender neutral or that like you know can sometimes be more feminine uh, designs that represent audio engineering as well and and also I wanted to kind of make some that were like uh more subtle like I feel like with the reason why I named it command s is like I mean sorry to pc users first off but um <laughs> uh the, second no of control, all control s for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but I, I was like, you know, it's kind of like a subtle thing. Like if you aren't in either editing or sound or, or something like that, you might not think about what command S is as, as much, you know? So it's kind of like, like a subtle, like, oh, command S. Oh, you must, you know, work in either computers or editing or something like that. Cause you know, that means save, you know, like, so, and you know, that's one of the key commands that you press the most often. And so it, I wanted to be more subtle and like with the, like the bouquet of cables design, like I, I was like, you know, it's flowers but like if you look at it you know you've recognized the cables you are like you know i know db25 i know you know this little trs or whatever so it's like i wanted to make like more subtle designs that you maybe had to be in the the you know career or, or just know it or you know have it be your hobby or be passionate about it or whatever but you kind of had to know what the pictures meant um to get it and so i just started like thinking of them and then I, it just took like more and more kept coming to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have so many ideas. And then and then I reached out to a friend of mine who does uh, screen printing and graphic design and stuff for t-shirts. And so I was lucky to have a friend, which made it easier for me to start this. And so and he was like, yeah, send me the designs. And so I sent it to them and, and he'll basically like take my designs and and just tweak them a little bit to like make them translate to a t-shirt well. But yeah,
0: that's super cool. So like, is there, are there any parallels between, I guess, basically owning two totally different businesses, but also two very similar businesses? Or do you feel like there's not very many parallels between running and owning two different types of businesses? I think
1: for sure. Yeah. I think for me, the most like uh, crazy parallel that I've seen, especially this year, is the social media aspect of things, like running the social media for both things. I think before this year, I I never really put a lot of social, like I wasn't really into social media as much. And I never really advertised, you know, Krista Maddie sound as much on social media. Just I was just like, you know, working or, you know, doing, I wasn't thinking about it. And then as I started Command S and I started, you know, doing that on social media, I was like, oh, I should probably do that for my sound business too. That probably would help me. <laughs> yeah. I started like connecting with more people on, on there. So I think like the, the social media aspect, I think there is like a, a big parallel in terms of like, you have to figure out like how to advertise yourself in a way. And I, th- I think for me, it's like, I'm trying to find that balance for both of them because I I do have like kind of a silly personality a lot of the times and I, I like to be goofy and, and joke. And so with Command S, like I, I, I kind of want to be a little bit more silly with it sometimes, but I don't know if people <laughs> will like I either understand my sense of humor or like get where I'm coming from. Um, And I also want to have that same kind of feeling with Chris Geomatic Sound because I, you know, it's my natural personality. Like I'm, you know, that's just, you know, how I am is like, I'd like to like have fun, but still get the job done. And so I think there is kind of like a parallel. And then obviously like the accounting part is (laughs) a parallel with taxes and, and all of that, which is a nightmare and a whole separate entity unto itself is taxes for a freelancer, which is the literal worst. They're so bad. Oh my gosh. People don't realize it's like a headache and you get taxed so much, so much by the government. So yeah.
0: Taxes are awful. (laughs) Yeah. There's such a headache. I Mm -hmm. no, I totally get that. I also under, I relate to the, to the marketing thing for sure. Cause I, as a, as I was not out here posting about my life all the time, like I'm not, I know that I grew up in the social media age and I am part of that generation where social media is everything. And so I'm not, I realize that I am not part of the normal group of people of my age group. Okay. Cause they are like, all of my friends are always taking selfies and pictures of their food and everything has to do with something to go on the internet. And I'm like, Oh, I should have taken a picture of that today. That would have actually been a really good post, like three days later, you know? Like and so I'm just I'm not naturally good at it. But in starting the podcast, I realized I was like, I really need to get better at this. I need to start learning more about yeah. search engine optimization. And so I'm so bad at that. <laughs> Who cared about that before now? You know? You're right. Yeah. But like if you want your website to show up for the longest, my website wouldn't pop up because I didn't know I had to optimize my website. And so I learned a lot about that aspect of things and like key terms and tagging. And I was like, what are these things? Yeah, I there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah.
1: When I like made the website for Command S, it was like, you know, you can sell on Instagram and Facebook. It, It took me like two days to get my shop on Facebook and Instagram, I I was like, I'll have to figure this out now. Like, how does this work? And you have, you know, submit an application to get on Facebook, to get on Instagram. Then you have to get approved that your shop is real and you're not like stealing from somebody. And then like, you know, you have to connect it to your store and then, you know, make sure your products show up appropriately. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know all of this was a thing. So the marketing aspect of it is... Insane. <laughs> now I get why people hire like uh you know social media people or like marketing people just for them. I never got it. I was like, you can just do that yourself. It's so stupid. No. Now I understand why. Like, you need that. Like, how? I mean, I can barely keep up. I, I was trying to do you know stories, you sound blogs every week. It was just hard to keep up. So I get why people hire like media, social media, marketing, and things like that experts. I think it's worth it, hundred percent. Now,
0: I feel. OK, so this is the thing that I learned throughout this whole process, um, for me at least, is that I feel like social media people are also kind of like the sound engineers of the marketing world. You just, you're like, why do I need to pay somebody to do that when I can do it myself? And a lot of people are like, why well, don't I pay a sound engineer if I can do it myself? And you're like, Haha, nice. And then they learn that lesson as to why they actually need a sound engineer. And I feel like that was like my moment with social media marketing, SEO People, like, now I know how people hire people go into like those very specific niches and why they actually exist. I always kind of thought they were a con too. I was like, yes, I can write some stuff. And then I was like, no, I shouldn't. I, I, I think it took me like, yes, cause I had to, so I had a friend of mine build me a Base for my website and then i had to fill everything else in for myself yeah so she came up with the design of it and like yeah the color scheme and all that sort of stuff but all of the words all of the like placements of pictures and all that sort of stuff i did a lot of that on my own and so then i was like oh, okay well i'll just go and publish it the way it is and then she was like did you do any of these other things and i was like no <laughs> it's like You shouldn't have posted that (laughs) yet. So then I had to go back and learn about all of that, you know, and and learn about writing these paragraphs that are not on the page itself, but in the page. Oh, yeah. I don't know. They're called like SEO descriptions for like your website page. Oh, I was asking you about parallels. And then we were talking about taxes. And then we were like, Taxes are horrible. Taxes (laughs) suck. Oh, you're talking about your website
1: too. And like how it was laid out. Did you use Squarespace or anything or was it like a actual website build? Oh, right. <laughs> um,
0: well. Oh yeah. I, it's based in Wix. Okay. But it was an actual website build. Cause, uh, my friend who did my website, she is a graphic designer. And so that's oh, cool. what she does. She builds websites. And so that's, so it's an actual website build, but it was also like, Right. Based in something that I could use. Cause she was like, what do you want it to be building? And I was like, uh, the thing that's going to make it easiest for me to deal with it. And she was like, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always find it interesting seeing like who, who uses what for their, for their different things. Cause,
0: um. What do you use? Like did you, uh, did you pay somebody or did you just do it yourself?
1: I made mine through my, like, Crystal my Sound is Squarespace. I made that. And then Command S, I'm using Shopify right now. Um
0: Heard of them recently.
1: Um They're good. They're just really expensive. So it's kind of annoying. They did like a free trial for when COVID started for like three months free, which was cool. They're a little bit expensive, but it's not bad. It's like not as much customization as Squarespace's, but
0: it's okay. <laughs> no. I feel like there's so many like nuances to each of these different types of websites that you're just kind of like, hey, choose one. I mean, yeah, meh. you know, like I just. Yeah, I think Wix is definitely
1: the easiest to like move stuff around and, and put stuff in for sure. Having used a couple of different ones, I feel like Wix is for sure, like ease of use wise is
0: easiest. <laughs> Yeah. I think WordPress is definitely the hardest. (laughs) I like WordPress though. I'm not going to lie. I do like WordPress. Mm -hmm. I was messing with somebody else's website and uh, they had WordPress and I really liked it because it, it allowed for you to have a lot more customization put into stuff that like Wix or just didn't really let me do because they're like, well, this is our built-in, you know, sort of format, which is why Wix is so easy to use. But, you know, pulling off of my old MySpace days, uh, when you had to write code. Oh my gosh, yes, MySpace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would I miss MySpace. Writing code ourselves, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: MySpace.
1: And Tumblr, too. Tumblr. You had to write code for and Tumblr. And Zanga? did you ever have Zanga? I didn't have Zanga. But I had Tumblr and MySpace, and that was... That was the life back in the day. <laughs>
0: I had Zanga, but like we had Zanga, but we weren't like using it like we were supposed to. Also, I had Zanga when I was like in elementary school. Don't get social media when you're in elementary school. Just what word to the wise. See, I,
1: I didn't. I didn't even, I wasn't even on like Facebook. or I mean, I, I had MySpace, I guess, but I wasn't really on social media until like after high school.
0: So we're basically at the last question, which is. Oh, wow. Well, there's two more as of right now, because I mean, with the Rona, but also outside of the Rona, I imagine that one is always trying to improve themselves. So what are some ways, I guess, that you are trying to improve yourself in all of your different businesses? Because I mean, there's are there technically three or is it just two? Two (laughs) that that I know of. (laughs) But also there's the blog. So I don't know what to call that.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I think for, for me this year, it's been a lot. We kind of already talked about it, but it's been a lot about social media. I've been really trying to work on that this year because I didn't ever really put a lot of time into it. And this year, it's been a little bit more important. I feel like with the pandemic, a lot more people are online and remote-based. So I think uh, for me going forward, it's definitely a marketing thing. Uh, learning about marketing and how to promote in the most effective way, especially with command S. That's kind of a learn as I go <laughs> experience. So hopefully I can improve upon that this year. But yeah, uh, I think for the most part of that, and I mean, I'm, I'm always like trying new audio things and, and growing in that way, but it's more of like an experimental thing. At some point you get to that level where you're just like, like, you know, everything I do is not necessarily like, the industry standard but it's like just something different you know so how to get your like mixes to stand out and like you know how to get people to want your audio over you know somebody else's mix yeah I think the key thing for me is social media and marketing this next year for sure
0: and then I guess lastly you no, know, that question doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> I was like wait I had to think about I've read that and then I was like that doesn't make any sense I don't even know what I was trying to ask <laughs> failure <laughs> Uh, this is i used to i i normally write questions out in general just generally trying to get like an idea for things but i've never written like a script for myself and that's what i did this time it was like okay i'll write a script out so that way hopefully it'll be a little better with trying to do transitions and stuff and then i was like those words made no sense i don't know what i was going for Uh, (laughs) What are some ways I guess in which, you know, you've been affected being a woman in audio? Oh man. I could go on that for a while. My
1: my first internship was like a nightmare um as a woman in audio. And I think I never really like fully understood the implications behind everything until that internship. Like it was strange. Like I luckily I went to a school where, where I had a professor who was extremely supportive about that kind of thing and, you know, would crack down on any kind of like sexism and the classroom and things like that. And then, so when I got to this internship, I was totally unprepared for like the kind of stereotypes that came associated with everything. And I think a lot of times it's, in my experience, it's been like men not really being comfortable being in a room with a woman and either like mentoring that woman or like teaching them or or you know like trying to explain things to them in that internship it it like felt like i had people trying to talk to me and i ended up like freelancing for this company after for a hot minute and like it was just a total disaster and i should have just listened to my gut and moved on but i thought i had to do it but it was like it was like weird stereotypes like being a woman like i feel like people looked at my anything I was confident about or anything that I knew about as like being arrogant or like, you know, being a know-it-all or something, you know, whereas a guy would say the same thing and, and they'd be like, Oh, you're so confident. And, you know, you're so smart. And, you know, as a woman, it was like, why, why do I come off like a, like a bitch or something? But they're, you know, but they're just, you know, being confident. So it was like a, it was like a strange experience and I didn't even know that like, I was being affected as a woman in audio until after that whole experience. And I looked back on it and I was like, wow, that, that only happened to me because I was a woman. Like, had I, you know, I I watched the same thing happen to somebody else and you know, it, it didn't happen and it didn't play out the same way. And so I think in a lot of situations, it's like you have to figure out how to like deal with things in the workplace as a woman that you never have to think about as a man like people talking inappropriately or like, you know, how do you react when people come up and ask for a sound guy, you know, it's, or like, you know, they call you sweetheart or, you know, try and make a comment about you. Like it's hard. Like you got to deal with those things as a woman in the industry that you don't have to, like, I'm sure guys don't have to fend off. I mean, I don't know. I won't make a blanket statement, but in my experience, guys don't have to fend off like weird, creepy, flirty questions in their workplace DMs, you know, as much as women do. And so I think being a woman in audio, like we are, you know, in the minority group of, you know, there's only 5% of us or however much Soundgirl says. So, you know, I'm glad that's building. Like, I'm glad that there are podcasts now that talk about all the women in audio and, and highlight everyone because it like it is hard. I, I do feel like women are definitely affected. People ask me that all the time, like, you know, like, do you feel like there are, like there's sexism in the industry? And, you know, I have, I see some women on Facebook or like in different groups and they're like, oh, uh, I've never experienced sexism. Like I think that's a myth. And I'm like, well, you're lucky. <laughs> so, I'm like I don't know where you've been living, but, um, where I've been living, <laughs> uh, has 100% been a thing. And so yeah, I think it's, it's just been like a, a work harder thing, like a, a prove yourself more thing being a woman. Like you have to like definitely know what you're talking about. I never experienced it more than when I was working at the music store though. Music store hit me that people don't understand that women are audio engineers. That was like I never even in my internship it wasn't as bad as the music store. It was terrible. I'd have people come in and make jokes to me and like be like, you're you don't know what you're talking about or can I talk to somebody with actual experience? And I'm like sitting here with my degree, my bachelor's degree and like years of recording. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, you're looking for me. Thank Thank
0: you.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, hello. I don't know. It, it's a hard question. Cause I mean, it, it's definitely different. Like it, being a man in the audio industry is different from being a woman in the audio industry. And I wish it wasn't that way. You know, I wish it was just being in the audio industry. But I do feel like we have like a different set of challenges that we have to kind of overcome and we have to, I think, know a little bit more and push a little bit harder. Um, It's just, it's just like one of those things, you know?
0: Yeah. I have a two part question. Yes. Might might be a little weird, but I don't know. (laughs) One, what would be advice that you would give women in audio, like trying to pursue a career? And then on the flip side, what advice would you give to men who are now being more introduced to women working in the audio industry cuz I mean, like a lot of people said that's more recently growing and a lot of people haven't had that kind of experience. So, what what advice would you give for those people? For
1: women, I think for me it's helped to like not get like hot-headed and, and to, in certain situations as much as sometimes things are like really annoying and frustrating is as long as you keep that like calm professionalism I think it has been really helpful for me to not like immediately retaliate and sometimes I've had to like take a step back and and like walk away for a minute and be like okay how do I need to respond to this but for women in the industry like I would say like do you don't like don't try and like overcompensate for like all of that but at like at the same time As long as you keep pushing and you're doing the work and you're putting in the effort, people will recognize your skill set. And but on the flip side for the men in the industry, the most important thing that anybody can do is when people see that happening, either online or you know in the workplace, men need to call that out because it means a lot more coming from a man than it does coming from a woman to another man. And I've seen that countless times. I saw it when I worked in the music store. If my male employee said something to the customer along the lines of, hey man, cut that out, that's not appropriate. I would see a huge behavior change from them um, and it would be a complete flip. So my advice to the men would be, you need to be aware of those situations, like think about it and think about whether it's inappropriate. And if you do think it is inappropriate in any way, or you see that woman become uncomfortable, then you need to address it to the other figure that's causing that uncomfort. Like you need to like talk to them about it or call it out in the middle of the conversation, you know, be like, you're making her uncomfortable. That's not appropriate.
0: <laughs> that's really great advice. I like it. Um, that's, that's super on point. Is there anything else you would like the general public to know? Or say to them, or anything talk about or address. <laughs> <laughs> uh man. I feel like we talked about a lot.
1: I don't know. I like to help people like as much as I can. So if anybody has any questions or anything, reach out. Like in terms of DAWs and things in post production and um, template designs, like feel free to reach out because you know I do like to help people in any way I can in audio because I like. I feel like not a lot of people were you know, I didn't have those kinds of resources when I was starting out to just ask all of these blatant questions about how post-production worked. So um, yeah, anybody has any questions? I'm here. I have some
0: answers sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for being here and and doing this with me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so sorry about the uh, leaf blower and
0: <laughs> the internet. <laughs> leaf blowers the internet. they'll always get you. <laughs> <laughs> um well, then, thank you so much for for this, and uh, I will let you go.